Greetings to the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem, and to your president, Dr. Jürgen Buller. May I take this opportunity to congratulate the Christian Embassy on celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles with us for over 40 years. Unfortunately, I am unable to attend in person. That is the new reality, but I send you a very warm virtual welcome to all those taking part in this year's online feast. Usually the ICEJ brings thousands of Christians to Israel for the feast, which is the largest gathering of Christians in Israel each year. It was an event that I was really looking forward to as I had heard of the extraordinary atmosphere and love for the land of Israel. The Israeli people miss the color, joy, and love you bring to Jerusalem each year, and you have been sorely missed. We were hoping and actively planning to be able to host the feast in person this year and already started welcoming groups and pilgrims traveling to Israel from May until August. The tools were safe and visits were structured to avoid any problems and indeed many Christian groups were be able to visit Israel. Unfortunately, due to the Delta variant, we have had to take some preemptive measures and temporarily pause tourist travel to Israel. But in the near, near future, I am definitely sure that we will meet in person in Jerusalem. We hope to reopen as soon as possible to allow Christians once again to tour the land of the Bible and visit all the holy sites. We are starting our tourist pilot program again, and my vision is that we will be able to open the borders not only for organized groups, but also for individual travelers. Finally, let me say this. We appreciate our friendship deeply. It is strong and robust and constant. We are grateful and aware of the important and unique role you play building support for Jewish state through your offices in over 90 nations and contacts with 170 nations worldwide. This is not something which we take for granted and precious thing for people of Israel. Have a happy and joyous feast of tabernacles, Hag Sameach. Shoti, 
Welcome everyone to day seven of the Feast of Tabernacles. I am Avalon and this is Barry Dennison, our ICEJ Vice President of Operations. I don't know about you, but I am so excited for what we have in store today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect in the program, Barry? Thank you, Avalon. Today's program is about the miracle happening in the Mideast. The Isaiah 19 highway, the promises of God for Israel and the Arab nations, what's happening in the Abrahamic Accord, the historic peace agreements and economic cooperation occurring in the region. So join with us and as you watch this program, ask God how he wants you to pray into what God's doing in the Mideast. Wow, that does sound like an exciting program ahead, but why don't we continue in a heart of worship? Amen. Kama simcha yesh beveitcha keshekulam sharim beyacha ad shehaya ad shehiye.
Why don't you introduce who's coming up next? Well, next for today's theme, we've got a very interesting interview where our president, Dr. Jurgen Bueller, interviews Joel Rosenberg about these historic Abrahamic Accords and how that happened. Okay, exciting to hear. Shalom, everybody, to this uh, Isaiah 19 special day during the Feast of Tabernacles coming here from Jerusalem. I'm privileged to talk to a very dear friend of the Christian Embassy, a, a leading a New York Times best-selling author, and a, a person who was in, this, in the midst of this change in the Middle East, of the Abrahamic Accord and the new peace deals. He was right at the center of those developments. Uh, the person I'm talking to is Joel Rosenberg, and he was meeting with many of the kings and rulers of the region while all this was developing. So, Joel, it's so good to have you with us. Where are you coming to us from, from today? Well, Jurgen, I wish I was sitting with you on the set there in Jerusalem, of course, my home, uh, but I'm on a book tour. I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on a month-long tour for my new book, Enemies and Allies. Well, and, and Joel, um, you know, you are living here in the land, and I think some of your sons are serving in the Israeli army, and you have been meeting all those Arab leaders in the recent decades. How does this go? How, how, how can something like that happen? I, it, it's the grace of God. It, there's really no explanation um, why Arab Muslim leaders at the highest levels, kings, crown princes, presidents, prime ministers, why in the world would they ask a Israeli, American, Jewish, evangelical, with two sons who've served in the Israeli army, both in combat units, one in special forces. Why in the world? Why would the Saudis invite me? Uh, but, but God opened those doors. Uh, and, um, you know, Paul tells us to pray for open doors. And when they open, then we have to have the courage and the faith to walk through them. Amen. And this miracle, in a way, that you experience personally, this is a miracle that is taking place and unfolding before our eyes in the whole Middle East. So uh, tell us a little bit, what are the, the key developments that we see right now here in the Middle East? Well, that's why, uh, Jürgen, that I wrote this new book, Enemies and Allies. And I know you have a global audience. Not all of them will be able to get the hardcover, um, but you can get it on an ebook or even on audio anywhere in the world. And I would encourage Christians to do it. Why? Because Enemies and Allies tells there, uh, there's two stories. There's two entirely different dynamics going on in the Middle East right now. One is very dark. It's very evil. Um, it's horrific, actually. And the other one is very hopeful, very positive. So very quickly, what are these two dynamics? On the one side are the enemies. And this is the world of radical Islamism. In the case of the, the Iranian regime, what I call apocalyptic uh, Islamism, meaning the, the, the radicals, the apocalyptic uh, Shia and Sunni Muslims, they, this is not all Islam. This is, these are very small subsets, but they're incredibly dangerous. Mm -hmm. And in the leadership of Iran, for example, the supreme leader 
actively talks about annihilating two countries. Israel, the center of Judaism, mm. which he calls the little Satan, and the United States, which he sees as the center of Christendom, which mm. he calls the great Satan. The, the supreme leader of, of Iran doesn't want to just take out a few towers next time. He wants a nuclear 9-11. He wants to take out American cities. He wants a second Holocaust in Israel. Mm. And what this book does in the first section of Enemies and Allies is takes you into the Oval Office. I sit with President Trump. I go to the State Department and I meet with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I meet with Vice President Pence. I meet with Netanyahu and uh, Benny Gantz, the Defense Minister, and I talk to them on the record about the Iran threat. And so you're hearing not to, not, I mean, you get a little bit of my perspective, but you get their perspective at the highest levels, okay? Hmm. But I also met with our Arab allies in the region and the Saudi crown prince, for example, Mohammed bin Salman, he told me, Jurgen, on the record, this is the only book he's ever been interviewed for, ever, uh, with an evangelical Israeli. But MBS told me on the record, the supreme leader of Iran is, quote, the new Hitler. Okay, so what you have is the, the Arab leaders see Iran's leadership the exact same way as the Israelis and are, they, they want to build a Middle East NATO as a bulwark against Iran. Now, that's the bad news. The good news very quickly is they want to form this alliance. They want, they, we've got four Arab-Israeli peace and normalization agreements just at the end of 2020. Enemies and Allies is the only book that's been published so far that gets into the inside story of how it happened because I was sitting with the Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates, Mohammed bin Zayed, MBZ, and he told me two years before the Abraham Accords that he was going to do it. And at the time, that was off the record conversation. But now, of course, the story can be told. And I'm looking forward to David Friedman's forthcoming book and the TBN uh, documentary about that. But right now, Enemies and Allies is the only book, and certainly the only one written by a Christian, that tells what exactly is happening, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, and, and you know, listening to you, it seems to me this whole new development that is taking place with many Arab nations now aligning themselves with Israel, it might be more maybe like a, a marriage of convenience because they could benefit from it. But then a few days ago, we got the news that the United Arab Emirates, it's linking up with Israel to airlift the needy people out of Afghanistan. And it seems to me this is more than just a marriage of convenience, isn't it? Yes, I, I don't see it as a marriage of convenience. I, I see these as fundamental tectonic shifts of, uh, of attitude, of, of, of understanding among the Arab leaders. Who are my enemies, really? And who are my allies, really? You know, Jürgen, you know as better than any Christian leader on the planet, for the last 75 years, Every Arab leader saw Israel and the Jewish people and Zionism as the central enemy. Mm. But there has been this fundamental radical shift where they have these Arab leaders are concluding, no, we're wrong. Israel and the Jews and the Zionists, they are not our problem. They're our friends. And we've been making a mistake. Now, it doesn't mean that they agree with Israel on everything. And they really, but these Arab leaders are also realizing that evangelical Christians can also be their friends. We won't agree theologically, 
We won't agree on everything politically, but we believe in peace, but we're going to stand with Israel no matter what. And they don't mind that anymore. They did, but now they're changing. Even I think the Saudis are changing. And this is a story that most major media are, they're not telling the story. They are ignoring this story, the significance of the story. And I'm grateful to you, Jurgen, because the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem is, is trying to explain and educate Christians all over the world, these, this is an answer to massive amounts of prayer over many, many decades. It's very, very exciting. And you know, you, you just gave us the keyword Saudi Arabia. Um, mm -hmm. The media in the West, and I hear this also from believers, they say, oh, this is just a short fake news. And uh, after the Biden administration came in, all this will collapse like a big house of cards. Uh, what about Saudi Arabia? Is, are they turning their back to Israel or they are continuing on that path? The Saudis are moving step by step towards a warmer and warmer relationship with Israel. Uh, this is an extraordinary thing. And in fact, because the Biden administration has distanced themselves from Saudi, have really been incredibly critical of an ally where, they're, where the Biden administration is trying to embrace Iran, the enemy, everybody's going, what is happening here? Iran's new president has murdered 30,000 Iranians. He's under U.S. sanctions, and yet, oh, yet President Biden seems to be begging the Iranian leadership, let's make a deal, let's make a deal. Mm. So I talk about this in Enemies and Allies, and I want to point out two quick things. The book provides the, the big picture context and takes you inside the palaces with me, so you hear these leaders in their own words. Now, you may love these leaders, you may hate these leaders, but at least you'll hear what they actually think about our enemies and our allies. Now, at the same time, it's a fast-moving story, as you described. And so I've launched two websites, which I encourage people to avail themselves of, All Israel News mm. and All Arab News. And they can get sign up for free emails that'll get the, the headlines of the day, the hourly day, the deadlines, headlines coming right to them. But here's the short version. I think the Saudis are moving towards peace. I think they're trying to weigh, is this in their national interest? But to their credit, the Saudis did not prevent the, Arab, uh, the Abraham Accords from happening. The Saudis are allowing Israeli, Bahraini, and Emirati planes from flying back and forth over mm. Saudi territory to and from Israel. Never seen that in wow. the last you know, 75 years. What's more, as I describe in Enemies and Allies, a secret meeting that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman had last December with Israeli then Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli Mossad Chief Yossi Cohen, and then U.S. Secret, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now imagine a, a, a Saudi Crown Prince and an Israeli Prime Minister meeting on Saudi territory. Like it's never happened that we know of yeah. in history, but it's happening. And so I wouldn't expect this in the next few days, but let's be praying, right? God tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jesus Amen. said, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, I know there's some skepticism, cynicism even among Christians. Is this really peace or is it a trick? Is it deceptive? Look, someday there will be a deceptive peace uh, Daniel chapter 9, an Antichrist-led peace. But if the Bible tells us to pray for peace and God grants us geopolitical peace, even in the near term, let's, let's embrace it. 
Let's thank the Lord. Let's not pray for Peter to be released from prison. And when he knocks on the front door, say, it can't be Peter. We are praying for him. Like, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> Joel, you just uh, brought me to my last point, and that's prayer. There are people watching all over the world. First of all, I do want to encourage you all, as you are watching that, to get the latest book of Joel Rosenberg. But also, uh, Joel, how can believers around the world, they might not be experts like you are, uh, give them maybe two or three very strategic points how they can pray intelligently for the Middle East today. Sure. Well, first, I would encourage you to please pray for Israel's new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, right? I'm very impressed with him. Um, he's a protege of Netanyahu. He sees the world very similarly, uh, but he's a slightly different style. Let's pray for him. He's a, he's a new leader, um, and, and he needs to succeed. That's number one. Number two, pray for President Biden. I think he's making terrible decisions with regards to Iran and Afghanistan. But he does love Israel, and he's probably the best that the Democrat Party in the United States has to offer with regards to Israel. So let's pray for him to do better on Iran, better on Afghanistan, but to stand with Israel. Mm. And third, let's pray that the Saudis do decide to make peace with Israel. I mean, that would be the mother of all peace deals. Um, yes, let's pray for the Palestinians too. I don't see a peace deal coming, but let's pray that the lives of the Palestinians would get better Amen. and that Christians could be um, a true force for peace and blessing in the Middle East, standing with Israel, but loving our neighbors, our Arab and Muslim neighbors, and even praying for our enemies, as, as Jesus commands us to do. Amen. You know, I could go on talking to you for hours. This is so exciting and so interesting. But we have to go back to the studio. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you in person back here in Jerusalem. And I hand it back over to Barry Dennison. Wonderful. Thank you. Next month in Jerusalem. Next month in Jerusalem. Bless you. Well, Jürgen and Joel, we thank you for that very interesting interview. And now I want us all to pray together for what God is doing through these Abrahamic Accords and here in the Mid-East. And before we pray, there's a, a historic development. I'll be in Dubai next in the coming days at the conference of the Abrahamic Business Circle, representing the International Christian Embassy in the midst of this economic peace. So Father, now in the name of Jesus, we pray that you, by your spirit, move over the nations of the Middle East. Lord, that you increase the relationships between Israel and her Muslim neighbors. And Lord, we ask for wisdom of the role of ICEJ in the midst of this. And we thank you for the privilege of living in this miraculous season in the name of Jesus. Now we have the privilege of hearing a worship group called the Voice of the One Calling. It's Jewish and Arab-believing youth who worship the Lord together. And after that, we will be able to hear Naim Huri, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Bethlehem. And he's been a friend of mine now for several decades. And Naim has paid a price for his faith. He's been persecuted by some of the Christian churches because he stands with biblical promises of Israel. He's been persecuted by the Muslims because he stands for Jesus in a Muslim community. So... Join us now as we go into worship.
I'm 
Chag Sameh. It's a great joy to be with you today in this wonderful occasion. And we are so thankful for the Lord that he allowed us to stand before you and to share the good news with so many people around the world. Our reading from the Bible, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. The Bible said, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they were all assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. What a wonderful occasion to know with this celebration the most needed subject and the most needed issue we need as believers, as the body of Christ, as the church, it's the word prayer. I believe there is power in prayer because prayer changes things and people. And I believe we are living in the days of Elijah. We need more people like Elijah to pray to have fire come down from heaven because our days is a very evil days. We are living in the last days before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in prayer because prayer changes things and people. And that's why we need as a church and as believers to put the whole armor of God to start to pray to Almighty God to send revival to this world, to send healing to this world. We are going through that coronavirus, and yet there is a cure for that virus. And the main cure for that virus, it's prayer. We need God's people to pray to be able to see that disease and that disappear. And I believe it can be done when God's people around the world get together and go down on their knees to pray. God will remove that virus away because there is power in prayer. Look this verse, the Bible said, and when they had prayed, the church, the first church in the book of Acts, when they had prayed, the place was shaken. May God help us today, preachers, believers, the body of Christ, to pray to shake the whole world for Christ, to shake the whole world against evil, to change the whole world, to know that there is hope and there is a cure for this world today. His name is 
Jesus, hallelujah. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. May God help us as the body of Christ to get together and pray and go down to our knees and see miracle after miracle after miracle took place. 42 days myself in the hospital with corona under heavy machines. And they said, there is no hope for me. Was no hope. But people around the world were praying and God heard their prayers. And after 30 days, they said, he's finished. But the Lord stood by my bed and he said, fear not, I am with you. And I saw heaven open and the angels singing beautifully. And the next day, the doctor said, God gave me another day and another life to live. Hallelujah. I'm standing in front of you today because of prayer. God is still in a miracle business today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Folks, pastors, leaders, believers, listen carefully. We need to start praying the right kind of prayer. We need to start to take time for prayer. We are busy in this world. So many things occupy our minds, our lives every day. And yet we could not find enough time to pray to Almighty God. What the prayer is all about, folks. Prayer is your communication between you and God through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Prayer is not tradition. Prayer is not repetition. Prayer is not religion. Prayer, when you talk to Almighty God, He listened to you. He listened to me. He never sleeps, never slumber. He's always watching over you and over me, day and night. Hallelujah. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. The result of prayer, folks, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How much we need today that fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. So many Christians, so many believers are so dry, dry spiritually because they are not filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Why our church is dry today? because we try to bring the world into the church and instead of the church going to the world. That's true. That's true. May God help us to change that through prayer, 
through the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, in this verse, they said, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you pray, when you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can speak the word of God with boldness. No one can stop you. No one can stand in front of you. No one can stand in your way because you will have victory in Jesus. You will have power the power of God, and no one can stop you. May God help us today to understand we need prayer today. We need the right kind of prayer. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we need boldness to keep serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, folks. If you are watching me now, listen to this. What's about your prayer life? What's about the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you? What's about boldness in your life? Will you pray with me today that the Lord will give you the right kind of prayer? God! will fill you with his spirit. God will give you boldness and God will give you healing. If you are sick today, if you have any disease, folks, Jesus is the best doctor. Come to him. Ask him by faith. Ask him by faith. He is able. He promised he will never leave us, forsaken us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord, that you are the authority, the power over Satan. Thank you for your precious blood who was shed on the cross for my sins and the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord, for giving me free salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you give me eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that you give me. Heaven is my home. Heaven is my home. And I hope heaven will be your home in this beautiful, sweet holidays in Israel. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord empower you. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.
Now we have a very special segment with Tom Craig, who works with us here at the Christian Embassy, coordinating our outreach to the Isaiah 19 Highway Nations. So Tom, tell us about your guests and what's going to happen today. Well, we're very happy to have uh, Shiloh Ben-Hod, who's a wonderful worship leader here in Israel, as well as, as, well as Pastor Salim Shalash in, from Nazareth. And uh, it's great to have these two brothers together representing what God is doing in the nations of the Middle East between Jews and Arabs. It's awesome. Uh, as we've labored in this uh, vision for many years, we see so many changes taking place around the Middle East region regarding uh, the hearts of God's people towards one another. It's tremendous what God's doing and uh, things are opening up in terms of the worship and prayer that's going on from all over the Middle East, from Egypt and Lebanon and Jordan, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, even Iran. We have so many brothers and sisters 
who are worshiping and praying together over the nations of the Middle East, including Israel, which is phenomenal to see uh, how God is moving in that way. A lot of relationship building. We have friends uh, right now in a conference in Jordan from all over the Middle East. There's uh, increasing numbers of opportunities for believers from these nations to gather and build relationship around the vision of what God says in Isaiah 19 will happen between Egypt, the nations of Assyria, which is a reference to the rest of the Middle East, together with Israel. And it says in the final uh, few verses, verse 24 says that those nations will unite together and become a blessing in the midst of the earth. And that's what we're beginning to see God fulfill in the hearts of his people, is that he wants to reconcile them together to worship him together from all those nations as the family of God, as the descendants of Abraham, many of them worshiping together uh, the same God through Yeshua the Messiah and recognizing uh, what he's done at the cross to bring them into unity. And, and then they will become a blessing to the rest of the earth. This is what we see uh, written in scripture. And I'm just excited to see that happening. So many opportunities to uh, hear from brothers and sisters around the Middle East. We have some wonderful seminars uh, here on uh, the Feast Conference website in terms of the Isaiah 19 highway and what's happening. But uh, brothers, I'm glad to have you here. And I know your hearts are really moving in this direction. And uh, you both have a passion to see God do this. So, Shiloh, share with us what's happening here in Israel, and especially with the next generation as well, about this kind of reconciliation and unity. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. And God is doing exciting things, I think, here in Israel specifically. I remember as a youth that until the age of 15, I never met, I never had an Arab friend uh, because we grow up next to each other but we don't we don't meet we don't interact and uh, it was at age 15 16 that i met the first arab believer and we became friends and i can say now one of my best friends is is actually arab from bethlehem and uh, i i see so many activities now happening in israel of of the messianic body the jewish messianic body in israel together with the arab body uh, in israel meeting together, worshiping together, moving past the political issues. We, we've noticed that, you know, we, we try to do reconciliation, talking about uh, our side, your side, and, but it doesn't really work. What works is just coming together to worship God, Amen. coming together to, to, to study His words, to listen. And we notice that when we do that, we actually draw closer to each other. And that's why I think if I compare what I saw as a youth and what is now the situation, it's, it's night and day difference. Now there are many, many things happening between Jews and Arabs here in Israel, all across the nations. I mean, there are conferences, there are youth camps uh, that uh, Sukkot Halel, the House of Prayer is doing, and Netiva, and many other organizations. It's just beautiful to see. It's exciting because this will impact our future. You've even been doing uh, music together and producing worship songs in Hebrew and Arabic together. Tell yeah, us about that. Of course. That. I think there is real power when we, when we worship in Hebrew and Arabic specifically together Amen. because it's a, it's a sign and a wonder to all those who see, whether they are believers, whether they are non-believers, when they see a Jew and Arab worship together with these two languages but with one heart, 
it moves the, even the, the most hard heart. You this know? is the blessing that God said will come forth. I believe it comes from that heart of worship and love with it's, one another. It's a highway of worship. Yes. Amen. Egypt will come to worship and Assyria will come to worship. It's, it's a highway of worship. Hallelujah. We need to get out there more and build this highway of worship together. Amen. So Amen. thank you, Shiloh. Salim, share with us what your heart is. I know you've been doing a number of initiatives that really are building bridges, but also helping so many people here in Israel and other places. Share with us about that. Uh, thank you, Tom. It's honor and privilege to be with you. Uh, sharing the truth. Amen. Why I'm saying sharing the truth, because what you're seeing now, you're going to never see it in media. Media is not interested to show the truth. So what happening in these days, it's amazing days. A lot of prophets wish to live these days to see what's happening between Arab and Jews. And uh, really, as my brother Shiloh shared, I grow with a lot of hatred for Israel. Mm. I grow with a lot of hatred for the Jews mm. until God opened my eyes to see the truth. And when God opened your eyes, it's totally different from people. Mm -hmm. Today, God is fulfilling his plans. And we can see Arab and Jews together worshiping. You know, in the last year, we've been visiting more than three or four congregations, you know, in contact with them. Uh, they came to us sharing the word of God. These we are went. Messianic yes, Messianic yes. congregations. And more than that, it's, it's, it's difficult. If you want to do it alone, Tom, it's something come from God. It's come, something come. If I don't, uh, don't look to my brother and I see him in the eyes of Yeshua, in the eyes of Jesus, Amen. you know, I can't see the truth. And mm. uh, what's happening today is a lot of prophecies is fulfilled and God say that Arab and Jews will worship together that what Isaiah is talking about in the end of the days so I want to be part of his plan I want to be part of the family not out, outside of the family and very important if we can see how the gospel started you know from Jerusalem to Europe through Macedonian men and from Europe United States and now to Asia a lot of revivals in Asia and if you remember that Jerusalem is part of Asia yes. you know this circle is coming to close soon but look what happened Tom something amazing this peace treaty between Israel and United Arab it's not a coincidence this is the timing of the Lord he have his time he have his watch he know when and this doors is open for us. Why? Because to share with them the gospel, to tell them about Yeshua, and that will provoke jealousy to Jews to know who is Yeshua. How we can do it when they can see Arab and Jews sitting together in the same place. Oh, it's not what the media is talking about. How could be Arab and Jews sitting and not fighting? Because you are listening to the wrong news. How you can know the truth? Come to Israel and see what God is doing in these wonderful, amazing days. In our church, Home of Jesus the King Church, we call it Home of Jesus the King Church because we do, do believe that he had home in the past. He's Jew. <laughs> He's still with us as witnesses until he come back again. Amen. And we are witnesses for that. Amen.
So we're preparing a home for him to come back to where the family's reconciled. Amen. The brothers and sisters love one another. They worship the same father together through him. And it's awesome to see God doing that in the hearts of believers here in Israel, all around the Middle East region. I, I'm in regular contact with believers who are learning Hebrew. They're wanting to understand the feasts of the Lord. Some of them are celebrating the feasts in Egypt and Lebanon and Iraq and different nations during this same period of time because God has drawn their hearts to this unity with the people of Israel and, and this restoration that God is doing in the land of Israel. So it's exciting to see that he's preparing us for his kingdom to come and all that we'll be enjoying together as his family. So it's amazing. What, what else do you feel is, is going to happen in the days ahead? I think, I think that also Corona, uh, the pandemic has affected also all the issue of Isaiah 19 since there were no more conferences happening physically and everything started happening virtually. And suddenly, conferences that will take months to organize, that will take visas from this government, from this government to come to, you didn't need all of this. Yeah. You could set up a Zoom meeting of few hundreds of Israeli, Egyptian, Jordanian, Lebanon, Iraqi. You can set all of this and you can just worship together. You can see even the faces. This is amazing. This is how God uses what the enemy is trying to do for his kingdom, for his advancement. So, so I think we're, we're just going to see more and more of these things happening. Uh, and I'm just excited to see what, what will be the fruit of it when Corona finishes. And now that we have the borders more open, you know, since the borders were, were more open with our neighbors, we still had Corona and they could not come. But maybe now we will start seeing more of our brothers and sisters that we weren't allowed to meet. I believe so. I think there'll be a zeal to get together because of this pent-up desire. Hunger. Yes. You know, you, you mentioned Salim, the uh, Abrahamic Accords with United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, others, and we have some of those flags here behind us. Yes. And earlier in the show, we, we actually had an interview with Joel Rosenberg about the Abrahamic Accords. And, uh, you know, as you talked about COVID-19, it's like, okay, Lord, you are orchestrating something yeah. with these peace agreements, with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. You are sovereign, and you are saying now is the time that this part of the Isaiah 19 highway comes into fulfillment. Maybe we'll see it all in our lifetime. Maybe this is just the first steps. But let's just take a few minutes and close in prayer for what God's doing among these nations. Just I would like to add one more thing. Please. We need to understand the irony. Today we are working with Messianic congregations. How? They are preparing Arabic material, going to Arabic, to Arab villages to share the gospel. Jews sharing the gospel with Arab villages. We prepare the Hebrew material and going to Jewish area to share the gospel you know in purim we we bring a huge car full with these baskets and we stopped with a religious jew family and when we gave them they were shocked how can arab do that that what i'm talking about this is the key amen. Amen. amen amen and that's a part of this blessing out of this nation so father we come before you now in the name of jesus and lord we 
worship you and bless you for your sovereignty yes. that you have a plan for the Mideast and it is a plan that is not just strife and violence but it is a plan of gathering around your throne yes. at the feet of Jesus Messiah to worship you the creator of all mankind and we thank you for the privilege of living in this season in Jesus name and Father, we thank you that this is your handiwork, Lord, that you said you would bless Egypt as your people, Amen. Assyria, the work of your hands, and Israel, your inheritance. And you would bring them together in relationship with you and with one another to become a great blessing to the entire earth. And Lord, we say yes and amen to your plan for the nations of the Middle East. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here in the land of Israel to unite the hearts of Jews and Arab amen. believers together as one new man in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen Lord. Nizar Francis is our next worship artist coming up. He's a popular Arabic artist worship here in the land and has recently given his life to the Lord. Since then, he has been leading worship here in Israel. Please welcome Nizar. Oh, 
Salam, salam, 
I want to invite now a very special friend of ours, um, Joshua Aaron, to sing with us a worship song uh, that many of you know, and we want to sing it in all Hebrew, Arabic, and English. And I want to invite you to just enter into worship as we, as we raise, yes, three languages, but one voice to our Lord.
restoration of the nation of Israel is one of the greatest miracles of our time. For many centuries, Christians foresaw through biblical promises this exciting event. They spoke, wrote, and taught about this future restoration. Today, they're called Christian Zionists. This is their story. Christian Zionism is usually associated with the ICJ or similar organizations that started operating uh, in the 1980s. But in fact, sympathy for the Jewish people uh, can be found among Christians much, much earlier. They believed in the biblically promised restoration of Israel already generations before the Jewish state was even established. Lord Arthur Balfour was a British conservative politician of early 20th century. He had served as Prime Minister and later as Minister of Foreign Affairs in the British government. He was a devout Christian and his sympathy for the Jewish national movement, also known as Zionism, was influenced by his knowledge of the Bible and his personal lifelong interest in the people of the book. In 1917, on behalf of the British government, he issued the so-called Balfour Declaration. It was the first official policy statement recognizing the historic right of the Jewish people to their ancient homeland. It was later confirmed at the San Remo Conference, and so it became part of international law. It was one of the important steps in the process of establishing the Jewish state as a legitimate member of the family of nations. I believe that there is a lesson for us today. You know, Lord Balfour lived at a time of a major paradigm shift in the world. In fact, important historical events which helped shape the entire 20th century took place almost at the same time. Within a few days at the beginning of November 1917, the Allied forces defeated the Ottoman army at Beersheba, opening the way to the liberation of Jerusalem after 19 centuries of foreign rule. The Balfour Declaration provided the legal framework for the emergence of the Jewish state. And the Bolshevik Revolution started in Russia, ushering in the era of totalitarian regimes which claimed millions of lives. World after the big war was very different from the world people had known before. And also today, we have the COVID pandemic, fast development of new technologies, and the emergence of bizarre ideologies which threaten freedom of speech and religion. All these factors are quickly changing the world as we used to know it. At such a time of confusion, it is important to stand firmly by biblical truths, which includes recognizing the hand of God in the restoration of Israel, and like Arthur Balfour, do all we can to defend Israel's right to exist as a Jewish democratic state. Well, Jürgen, we just heard the speaking on uh, the Balfour as one of the Christian Zionist founders, and how would you like to follow up on that? Well, it, it's a good question because, uh, you know, it, it might sound strange in a day where we speak about Isaiah 19 and uh, what God is doing in the Arab world to, to have a clip about you know, the restoration of the Jewish people. But it's rather interesting, you know, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, when we, when, he, when we look at the end time discourse of Jesus that he just gave here on the Mount of Olives, um, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus makes an amazing remark which is different in the Gospel of Luke than to all the other Gospels. 
Uh, we all know, look at the fig tree when his leaves get soft and you know the summer is here. But it says here in Luke chapter 21, verse 29, it says, and he told him a parable and he says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. That means it's not only the fig trees, there are a number of trees also that will bring forth fruit, that will get uh, soft uh, leaves. And it's um, interesting to look at the entire history of the Middle East. It's in, not only in 1948 or 47 that the state of Israel was established, but this uh, decades before 1948 was a, you could say, this were decades of uh, national births here in the Middle East. Um, if you look at the whole region here, you know, if you um, follow the history from the Babylonians, the Persians, the Romans, all the countries we have here, they all had the same history. There was uh, occupation by the Roman Empire, there was Turkish occupation, there was occupation by the Crusaders in this region, etc. The last one was the Ottoman. And then in the beginning of the 20th century, suddenly one after the other nations emerged and you had suddenly ancient biblical names appearing again on our maps where you have Lebanon again, Syria again, Egypt became an independent state. And then in a way Israel became almost the last birth of those newborn states and came into existence. So it's amazing to see that Jesus even ref refers here. There are not only one, the fig tree, but there are many other trees that come back to life and that's absolutely fascinating. Wow, that, that is amazing. And it's it's amazing we've been talking about what God's doing, restoring the nations in relationship with Israel spiritually and worship economically through the Abrahamic Accords. But I've heard you mention other prophecies that talk about this. Yeah, of course, we speak here uh, today, it's dedicated to Isaiah 19, which speaks about that highway between Egypt, Israel, and Assyria. But if you go to the prophet of jo Jeremiah, for example, and this is just one of the many prophets that you have in the Bible, um, if you go to chapter 48 and 49, it's, these are quite remarkable passages, because in chapter 48, you see Jeremiah speak about, uh, at great length, about the judgment of the people of Moab. And then the very last verse of chapter 48, it's chapter 47 in the 48th chapter, it says, yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. And then you go to the very next chapter. Again, it starts with judgment against Ammon. And then you read at the very end, but afterwards I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonite. And then it goes on with different judgment messages. One, for example, Elam, judgment on Elam, but then it says in verse 39, but in the latter days, I will restore the fortunes of Elam, declares the Lord. And you know, it's quite interesting if you look at some of the uh, great preachers from the United Kingdom. If you look at uh, Cho, Ch Ch Charles and John Wesley and uh, Ch Charles Spurgeon, um, they comment on those passages and they all say, they say what it means is that the Bible prophesies about an end time revival among those Arab nations. And in a way, you know, today we see prophecy undoubtedly fulfilled here in Israel. God is restoring the Jewish people. But we see also there are other prophecies for the other trees. And Isaiah 19, in a way, speaks about that, that uh, what Balfour started, there was, by the way, you know, many people don't know when, when Balfour brought out the Balfour Declaration, it was paralleled by another declaration. Most people don't know it. It was called the McMahon Declaration. And this declaration called for the 
independence of Arab states. So in a way, while God restored Israel, he also restored the neighboring countries. And I believe it's for one person, it's to bring salvation to this region. And that's what this whole day is all about. That's exciting. And as, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, expecting his return to be reigning and ruling as the king over the world, we know that every knee will bow yes. and every tongue will confess. Um, and it's exciting to see his promises in scriptures that there will be those who have bowed their knees and confessed his lordship before he comes, but before we lose our freedom to, yes. to say no. Absolutely, and it, it also shows that God is a God of history. He's in control. You know, in the book of Acts in chapter 17, Paul is standing in Athens in this big philosopher's place, and he makes an interesting statement. He says, it's the Lord who, who determines the times, seasons, and boundaries of the nations. Yes. And it's, it not, doesn't only speak that God is sovereign over this world, but he says the purpose why he's doing it. He says that they might seek God. Yes. And that means, I believe, God brought those nations back into life because there is a plan of salvation for those nations and that's why you know I always keep saying if you pray for Israel you also need to pray for the Arab nations because God loves them also amen now I, that's a, a powerful expression of God's sovereignty and so often we we get distracted um, and we forget that for example COVID whether God sent it or God allowed it in his sovereignty, he knew it was coming. Um, and so he's the one we have to turn to for our answer. In the same way, whether he promoted the politicians or he allowed the politicians, he knew all of these nations were going to come into being. And as Paul says in scriptures, it's a purpose that all men might seek him, exactly. the creator, the king. Yeah. And we live in exciting days. We see prophecy being fulfilled not only in Israel but in the entire Middle East. This whole landscape is an area of fulfilled prophecies. And uh, you know even about the Abrahamic Accords, um, you shared about that, you are going to Dubai very soon. And I think it's fascinating what God is doing in that area. Uh, maybe one more word on, on Iran. I just quoted that passage on, in Jeremiah 49 on Elam, which is geographically Elam to Iran today. And he says there also, and I will put up my throne in Elam. If you look today, what it, where is the fattest, fastest growing church in the world, it's in Iran. You know, if, if you, you might have all those mullahs sitting in their government, but you see the Lord is sitting on the throne. People are finding Jesus, they are getting saved, and God's kingdom is growing. No, and that's such an expression of God's sovereignty, that even in the, some of the harshest manifestations of Islamic radical dictatorial control, in the midst of that is flourishing the fastest growing church in the world. Absolutely. And you feel this also, you know, with the testimony of Naim Khoury earlier today. Uh, he's a man who went through incredible persecution, but you really feel the fire of God coming out of him. And I believe that's because the Lord purified him and he refined him in the fire of persecution and the hostility. The Lord brought forth a man very powerful. And I think the leaders that are growing up today in the Middle East, they will have a great impact also on the global church. We will have great revivalists coming here from that area. Amen. Amen. Well, it's an exciting time to be alive here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good.
Coming up next, we have some powerful worship coming from Finland. Followed by a speaker, we have Reverend Dr. George Anadorai, who is an anointed Bible teacher and is known for his powerful books and teachings in the Southeast Asia. He's recognized for his powering, pioneering work and his love for Israel, a major supporter of Ethiopian Alia through ICEJ. Ristin luona pohja kestää, armo putomasta estää, kauhun kuiluihin, kauhun kuiluihin. Ristin luona lepo koittaa, toivo epätoivon voittaa, sydän Shalom. Welcome to the Isaiah's Highway. Allow me to take the word Isaiah as an acrostic and to share my thoughts with you. Isaiah as an I-S-A-I-A-H. Let me begin with the letter I. I stands for interceding for prophecies to come to pass. We understand that there are moments when prophecies 
recorded in the Bible calls for people who are living at a much later time in history to become acutely aware of this prophecy that awaits fulfillment and calls upon that people of that generation to earnestly intercede. A good example of this would be Daniel chapter 9, where as he was reading the Tanakh, the Old Testament, he comes across an ancient prophecy by prophet Jeremiah that at the end of 70 years that the people of Israel who have been exiled to Babylon, more specifically the people from Judah, will once again return back to their land, their homeland. And so Daniel, inspired by the Spirit, began to take the posture of intercession and does spiritual warfare to bring this prophecy that was spoken in the past to be brought into being in the present. And so the rest is history and uh, following the prayers of Daniel, sometimes in the year 538 BC, the prophecy comes to pass. And by the time we come to 536 BC, the people are already in Israel with Zerubbabel leading the first group. But let's understand something here. Daniel's bigger concern was not just for the people to return back to Israel. While that concern was there, but there was a bigger concern. The bigger concern revolved around the restoration of Israel. Israel was created for a very divine reason and only when Israel is in Israel can they be able to fulfill their God-given destiny to be a light to the Gentile nations and to be a blessing to all nations. So while return was an immediate concern, restoration was the eventual concern. So when we intercede for prophecies to come to pass, while we need to be mindful of what needs to happen immediately, we need to have a bigger picture always before us and pray towards the bigger picture. The letter S. S stands for setting apart not one but two highways that converge in Israel. Um, all the time when I hear people speaking about Isaiah's highway, they primarily make reference to the highway that we find in Isaiah 19. While that's there, Isaiah also makes mention of another highway in chapter 62. So there are two highways in Isaiah and they both converge in Israel, one horizontally and one vertically. The letter A. A stands for Arab nations at Isaiah 19, Asia Pacific, at Isaiah 62. So the two highways that I'm making reference to, one horizontal and the other vertical, this is the Isaiah Highway, Isaiah 19, Assyria, Israel, Egypt. And this one here, Isaiah 62 Highway, begins all the way from the end of the earth and comes to the center of the earth. The center of the earth, of course, is Israel. So there are two highways here and they both converge in Israel. 
one involving the Arab nations, the other involving Asia-Pacific nations. Moving on to the letter I. I stands for Israel as the focal point. So here is the heart of prayer. While it is always right for us to pray that the people who live in this nation, Arab nation, and this nation, Asia-Pacific, will always come to know the Lord, that's always our immediate concern. The bigger picture, the bigger concern should be that they come to acknowledge the God of Israel. Because both of these highways converge into the nation of Israel. God's higher purposes for these nations, the Arab nation and the Asia Pacific nation is for this nation to come to acknowledge, come to adore, come to accept uh, the God of Israel. Now, there are two sides of the same coin. You can't accept the God of Israel without accepting the nation of Israel. You can't accept the nation of Israel without accepting the God of Israel. They are one and the same, two sides of the same coin. So herein lies the challenge for the Arab nations and for the Asia Pacific nation for having a long history of European missionaries coming into this part of the world and this part of the world and exporting their very own uh, brand of theology called replacement theology of a supersession where Israel is taken out of the equation as far as the end time plans and the eternal purposes of God are concerned. So this is where you and I need to come to become acutely aware that Israel needs to be brought into the equation again. And that the churches here and the churches here have an important role to communicate this vital truth to our nations, across the churches and across the nations that we as the nations, unless we maintain a right relationship with the nation of Israel, and therefore the God of Israel, we stand to be cursed. But even when we have a right relationship with the nation of Israel, and therefore the God of Israel, then the blessings of Genesis 12 and verses two and three, and Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18, is something that can come our way. Remember now, Genesis 22 and verse 18, where God says to Abraham that through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now that's something that was made in direct reference to us. Moving on to the letter A. A stands for arising from the east. Isaiah, having given us 66 chapters, neatly divides his writings into parts one, parts two. Part one, history, part two, prophecy. Part one, chapters one through 39, part two, chapters 40 through 66. And once you come to Isaiah's part two, Isaiah's 40 and onward, you will discover time and time again, Isaiah making reference to a certain place on planet Earth. He calls them the coastlands, depending on which translation used. Sometimes they are called islands, islands, coastlands, the same. But 12 times Isaiah picks up this theme about the islands, the coastlands, calling on the name of the God of Israel um, in his part two, second part of his writings. And he makes constant reference, the rising of the sun, 
he makes reference to the rising of the sun. Therefore, when we think about islands and talk about islands, islands are just about everywhere. We have islands um, in the Atlantic Ocean and, and elsewhere. But we know that these are a clear reference to islands in the east because of their added connotation of rising from the east, the sun rising from the east. So Isaiah is clearly making reference to not just islands everywhere, but islands somewhere, islands in the east, the rising of the sun. And for example, Isaiah 24 and verse 15 says this, Therefore glorify the Lord in the dawning light, the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands of the sea. Now, this is a clear statement from Isaiah, an ancient prophecy, that we in the islands need to pray and to bring it to pass in the present, where it's a reference to um, the islands. And therefore glorify the Lord in the dawning light. The dawning light is the rising of the sun. And incidentally, in case you don't know, allow me to share this. Samoa is the first island in the Pacific Ocean to see the sunrise, and Western Samoa is the island in the Pacific that's last to see the sunset. And they are just side by side with one another with the international deadline cutting across. First to see the sunrise and the last to see the sunset. That reminds me of Malachi 1 and verse 11, whereupon it says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name will be praised. So one way to think about it is as 24 hours on a given day. The other way is to think about the worship going from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same around the globe, not just around the clock, but around the globe. Finally, there's the H, the highway of holiness. So we as God's people stationed here and here, the Arab nation and the Asia Pacific nation, have a solemn responsibility before God and the nation to create, to establish this highway from the end of the earth to the center of the earth, Isaiah 62, and then from Assyria to Egypt via Israel, converging in Israel. It's called the highway of holiness. That's where the church comes in to instruct the nations that we are called to walk in holiness because the God of Israel is a holy one. Thank you. God be with you. Shalom. Can you believe, Barry, we have come to the end of day seven? Do you have any closing remarks? Well, this day for me has just been an amazing celebration of what God's doing here in the Mideast. And even though we're ending with a word of prayer, stay with us because Sheila will be back with some guests to close in worship. But let's pray now. Father, we thank you for this day in the feast. We thank you for calling us up as Gentiles from around the world to worship you in Jerusalem. And we pray that your Holy Spirit set your church on fire to hold the tor torch in prayer for what's happening in the Middle East. In the name of Jesus.
God of Israel. 